This is Annie Grace, and you're listening to this Naked Mind podcast, where without judgment, pain, or rules, we explore the role of alcohol in our lives and culture. Hi, this is Annie Grace, and welcome to this Naked Mind podcast. And I'm here with Chris. Welcome. How are you? I'm doing really well. Thank you very much, Annie. Thank you for, very much for having me, too. This is exciting. Oh, it's so exciting. Thanks for being here. So yeah, I'd love to hear your story. I obviously know a little bit about it, but for everybody else, can you just take us sort of back to the beginning? Where did it all start for you? Sure. Um, The way I became aware of this naked mind in the first place was actually through a former um, trainer of mine named Una Duncan. Uh, I'm on a mailing list of hers and she um, sends out mass mails about fitness, etc. And one of them was an email um, that I think she gave the title, My Drinking Problem. And I was like, oh, that's surprising. Didn't expect to see that. And uh, when I opened it up, turns out she has a glass of wine each each night or had. And I was like, okay, very funny. That's that sounds like a real problem. But when I read the email, she linked out to one of your free webinars talking about this naked mind. And, um, and I, I had been thinking that I would like to drink a bit less. So I checked it out. And in that webinar, one of the things that you said was, actually, after after reading this book, you'll um, drink as much as you want, which is nothing. And I thought challenge accepted because (laughs) drinking is fun. Everyone knows drinking is fun. Uh, I have a great time when I drink. It's very like that isn't going to happen. So I actually ended up listening to the audio book within a weekend. And by the end of it, as as like I I'm really excited to try not drinking. So I started with a dry month um, and actually took, kind of, you could call them experimental results, um, where after each event where I would normally have drinks and I did not drink, I asked myself afterward, um, how much fun was it in, in comparison to how much fun I remember having when I do drink? Uh, And then the next day, how do I feel physically and psychologically? And at the end of that month, and that was June 2019. So like a lot of really fun things in June that I would normally drink at friends' birthdays. It's pride here in Toronto, et cetera, et cetera. Um, After that month, I thought, I want to try the whole year. And so I did. I went for a, a dry year and I still... I still have not had a drink since oh, that moment. Cool. Awesome. And so what have you, well, first of all, why don't you back us up and tell us about like how drinking started for you? Were you pretty young? Was it something everybody was doing or, or what was your journey from? The- mm-hmm. It was high school. So um, around the time, uh, and I was not a popular kid. Uh, so um, it, <laughs> I think I didn't start as early as I might have, but closer to the end of high school when I did have a group of friends and uh, would get invited out to parties and there would be some alcohol there. And same experience that I think is pretty universal of like, oh, this tastes really gross. Why would I ever drink this? But the sort of nice buzz that seemed to come with it um, did seem to make up for the fact that I didn't really like 
how it tasted. And so that continued um, into undergrad. I have a university um, and sorry, that doesn't make sense. I have an engineering degree. Uh, I went to U of T. I don't know how things are for anyone else uh, watching this or, or listening to it, but engineering tends to have a drinking culture in it in terms of undergrad. So I fit right in, had a, had a super great time. And then, um, so I'd say it would have started in my teens and it continued uh, up until the point that I had read your book. And I don't know if you want me to go further than that now or. Yeah, I'd love it. Yeah. So started in your teens. Yeah. Keep going. Okay. Um, and so certainly I had had some questions for myself about whether um, I was drinking too much and, and that led to, and like uh, s some examples of it is maybe being blackout drunk, maybe, oh, certainly having the experience the next day of wondering what did I say, or even if I remember what I had said, oh, was that the right thing to say? Would I have said that if I had not had a few or more drinks? Um, and so I decided to cut back a bit. And I was cutting back to where I thought was extremely reasonable. I was like, I'm I'm having one pint. This is certainly reasonable. And I would still find that the next day, physically, I'd feel so-so. Psychologically, I'd still feel kind of down. And so that's why um, going through this Naked Mind, I was so excited to give it a shot because so much of what was said about why people drink, um, it aligned very well with what my experience was. And when I tell people now, like certainly after I first started this experiment and I introduced all my friends and family to the fact that I wasn't drinking for now, um, after that first month, I told everyone, I tried to keep it reasonable so people wouldn't get sick of me, but I'd say that the number one thing really was, um, I had heard about the health negative health effects from alcohol. For a long time, I was very, very well aware of it. Didn't change a thing. But it was the fact that early in the experiment, um, I was out for quote unquote drinks with a friend after work and I was having near beer and about 45 minutes in, I thought, I feel kind of buzzed. And I checked the bottle and I'm like, mm, this is, no, it is non-alcoholic. About an hour and a half in, I told my friend I was with, I'm like, I feel drunk right now. And what dawned on me is that I'd been a social drinker for so long that I had completely mixed up the feeling of being buzzed or drunk and of having a good time. And that, that have a good time feeling could come entirely independently of drinking. And like, I had found a superpower, like the magic was inside of me the entire time. Oh my gosh, that's just the coolest. I literally was talking to um, a researcher. We've been doing some kind of, he's been, we've been contracting with him. He's out of Australia, works in universities for, you know, just seeing how effective uh, the alcohol experiment is. And 
he and I were talking, I was like, you know what I would love to research? I would love to research somehow giving people a placebo drink instead of an alcoholic drink in a social situation and see how they feel. Because I guarantee you that a lot of it is placebo or is the fun of just being out with your friends or the fun of being at a sporting event or the fun of being at a barbecue or a wedding or whatever it is. And that kind of high we get from just being with other humans in a celebratory environment. And I think that alcohol like can dampen that instead of enhance it. And so if we could do this sort of study and he was trying to think from his research or point of view, like, okay, how would we do that? How would we get their consent without letting them know that they would or wouldn't be drinking? Like how would the ethics work and all? And so there's a lot of hurdles to doing that type of study, but I'm, I'm literally just like you and you've done your own study of one, which I think is kind of the best, uh, completely convinced that that's true. Yeah. It was, it was interesting to me, things that were even more, ab I don't know if abstract is the right term, but just surprising. Like if I'm hanging out with friends who I like and playing board games, say, then it's like, well, of, of, of course I'm having a good time now. But even being at an event where I don't necessarily know too many people, it's a networking event, say, and it's just kind of loud and there are many people there and that would cause that, like it would stimulate that same kind of buzzed feeling. And so it was for the first month or two, it was just time after time after time. It's like you do say, um, I remember one part in the book, like you'll look forward to seeing what happens this time without drinking rather than, oh, I'm not drinking, time to have a terrible time. And it's going to be so boring and I'll hate it. It was like, no, let's see what happens this time. And there were a couple of like full disclosure. There were a couple of times that when I was making, making my notes after the fact, I said, well, that wasn't really a very good time, but I bet it didn't used to be a good time either. Yeah, exactly. And I think that like I, one of the biggest aha moments for me came when I was looking back and I was a big journaler before, even more so now. And I love notes. I mean, I think the number of notes I have on my phone is astronomical and even voice memos and stuff like that. And in the moment, you know, really reflecting because so often our emotions fade. And I was looking back and when I really started to get, before I stopped drinking, I started to do a lot of self-experimentation, like getting mindful about, you know, how does it really make me feel? And does it actually make me feel better? And for how long does it make me feel better? And let's like take a look at these sorts of things. And a huge aha moment was when I realized that feeling drunk, you know, at home in front of the TV felt very similar to feeling drunk at a wedding, felt very similar to feeling drunk on vacation on a beach. You know, like the drunk feeling was similar. It felt dizzy and it felt kind of like out of touch with reality. It kind of felt like the edges of the rooms were fading a little bit. Um, kind of this sense of, of abandon, but not necessarily just out of touchness. But that feeling really was homogenous. Like that actually mm -hmm. made my experiences that would be very varied, very the same. You know, it would be, um, and so you're taking this feeling of whatever it is, whether you're on, if people always write in and they're like, okay, I totally get it. I've been, you know, six months or six weeks alcohol free, but we've got this big vacation coming. And I just don't know how possible I'm going to go through this big vacation. And, you know, the real shift for me was realizing, 
oh, wait a second, actually that big vacation would feel very varied and different and interesting, but I'm gonna take that and I'm gonna pour alcohol on it and then it's just gonna feel the same as being drunk at home in front of the TV. Um, now, that is not to say that there isn't intense times in a vacation, right? Because I mean, we just like last year, went to Mexico with our kids. And yeah, there were some moments where you're like, what are we doing, right? You know, one child is falling asleep. The other child is getting bit by mosquitoes. The other one is hungry. We're, you know, out in the middle of nowhere. The cab that we called is late, starting to rain. And so we're sitting here like, but it's still an experience, even if it isn't all sunshine and roses. And you just don't have the depth of experience when you're drinking. Yeah, and I'm sure you you know better than many, adding alcohol to that experience, it's not like it would have made you feel okay about it, I'm pretty sure, unless it's, unless it's actually to the point where you're disconnecting from reality, which is not a great feeling either. And speaking of going on vacation, like one of the things I did, not because I stopped drinking, it wasn't like a triumphant, uh, now I have to do this. I had already signed up to climb Mount Kilimanjaro in Africa last September. Yeah. And I'll say there were, uh, I don't know if you have hiked at altitude or know people who have, Uh, it was really hard. It was hell. Um, Not the entire way up, but specifically like you take four days to get up to a base camp and then uh, six hours starting at midnight and it's freezing cold. You make that final ascent from about 5,000 meters to almost 6,000 meters up. Air is very thin. I had people around me uh, crying or throwing up uh, because of of the either the altitude sickness or just feeling like they couldn't do it, and the number of times that I was on my way up that mountain that I was like, "Thank God, I'm not drinking anymore," and this trip is going to be like any any physical condition I could be in, I think is heightened that much more that I got rid of drinking, and people were totally still like after the climb they're like let's have a few beers i'm like i'm good thanks that was that was really significant as it was i don't need it yeah absolutely i and i remember things like that too where i would get my arm twisted into you know you have a significant event and then you have your arm twisted into a few beers and then i remember notes on my phone where i would write to myself it was better to be sober like i enjoyed this mm. more you know, 30 minutes ago. And I would make myself videos. Like, what are you doing? Like, this was more fun before. Like, but you just have this idea, oh, it'll be more fun. That's a good idea. And then it wasn't. Um, That's so cool about Mount Kilimanjaro. We have, I live in Colorado and we have a lot of 14,000 foot peaks. Mm -hmm. And so I've climbed a few of those, but it's not, it's not 6,000 meters, which I think is close to like 20,000 feet, which is, I mean, at 14,000 feet, I start feeling quite lightheaded and sure. and I'm pretty used to the altitude. So I can't imagine that sounds crazy. Yeah. And you talk about having 
notes on your phone. Uh, I do have, I was, I was, I was scrolling through, I had taken some also, uh, last night to see, oh, like, are there any, any zingers that I could bring to this? And I was reminded of something that I completely forgot about. So to give a little bit of context, me uh, prior to a year and a bit ago, um, I would definitely extol the virtues of drinking. I, the number of times I had said, I love drinking. Um, it wasn't like every day, but, <laughs> but when it occurred to me, I'd be like, yeah, drinking's nice. And I had uh, gone for um, after work drinks again, this time with a group of colleagues. And uh, that was, that was fun and we stayed until the evening and we parted ways and uh, I was riding my bike home from it and it happened to be right around twilight, which is a part of day that I really like. And spontaneously, the thought popped into my head, I love not drinking. And I'm like, no one will believe this. People are probably going to think that I, I kind of sat there and told myself, okay, time to say the opposite of what you used to say. But I swear that isn't what happened. It just, it just popped into my head and I made a note of it as like, I think it was around the six month point, actually. Oh, that's so great. Yeah, I, I still have those, those experiences, you know, where I'm just, usually it happens when, um, we find ourselves in a location where a lot of other people are drinking. Actually, that trip to Mexico last year was a good example of that, where, yeah. you know, you just see people and they're there with their families as well. They're there with the kids. They pull up, you know, you make a camp, you're all your lawn chairs and their lawn chairs are next to you. The kids start playing and a few hours in, they're just both asleep. And there's nothing wrong with just being asleep, but I can sleep at home too. And I didn't pay, you know, thousands of dollars to come on this trip to just not spend the time with my kids and just have, you know, four or five mojitos in the middle of the afternoon and then sleep and then be groggy for dinner. And I just remember just kind of like watching this and just being like, oh my gosh, I am so glad to be me. I am so glad that you know, I'm doing whatever I chose to do, which was still relaxing. I was reading my book or I'd play with the kids or watch them or whatever. But I was just, it's so amazing when those moments happen and you're like, wow, I'm so thankful for the decisions I've made. My friend Stacy, she says, you know, everybody lives in the results of the decisions that they make. And it's like, just how it is. Like you make a decision, you're going to live in the results of that. And mm -hmm. um, living in the results of an alcohol-free decision is really just, I mean, it's such an investment if you look at the pure ROI, right? Like, Yeah. 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 That resonates a lot with me. And to be like honest, uh, if I think through, I said how one of the experimental questions I would ask myself was how much fun was that as compared to what I remember fun being like when I was drinking. And by and large, I wouldn't say way more fun, but I still think it's very heartening to hear as much. Like however much fun you're having now, I think for a lot of people, you can have as much fun. But there were some instances when I was like, you know what, that was even better. And it, and it is what you just said about, I could, for instance, on Pride Saturday, be wandering around the city and having drinks throughout. And then at 6 p.m., either 
I need a nap or, or like something like, or I need to find like a quiet sidewalk or, or something like that. Whereas this time I, I sat for 20 minutes and I had a coffee and I was ready to go again, which was really nice. That's so awesome. Yeah, I, I totally agree with that. And I think it's so important to have like a balanced conversation because, you know, sometimes uh, people come in and they're like, well, it's not all great for me. And often I think that happens when you're drinking to kind of medicate in a way and sort of self-medicate and push things that you actually need to handle or deal with in your life. So a lot of people find themselves in relationships that they've known have been wrong for them for a long time, but they've been using alcohol to mask the fact that they are not in a healthy relationship. And all of a sudden they have face-to-face with that reality. Or, you know, there's actually been a lot of people on the podcast who um, have have used alcohol to mask their sexuality, their true sexuality. And then they've actually got in touch with the fact that they're not straight once they stop drinking. And it's been like so freeing and so liberating from that perspective. And so I think there is a tendency to like paint it with this brush of everything's perfect. But if you're you're drinking to self-medicate and you come face-to-face with the things, everything will be really good, but you do have to deal with the demons, so to speak. Like you have to slay the dragons before they, you know, you come to a point where you actually reap those rewards and the ROI is, is big. Yeah. I do. I do try to be careful of um, like, I would say uh, like I was, I was certainly holding down a job just fine. I was maintaining my friendships fine. I have, I was at the time I uh, was experimenting with no alcohol. I was in a pretty good place for it, I think. Although I bet there's a lot of people who are in a state of, yeah, I'd like to drink a bit less. It's not a problem. So, so why even bother almost? I'm like, well, like it could it could get even better than it is now. So that's what I would most hope is that um, me talking about this would reach people who are in a state of, especially like um, I was, I was speaking with uh, someone I met more recently and I described this naked mind to them. And I think they're at the exact same spot I was of like, I don't think this is a problem, but I'm not happy about it. And they still aren't in a place where they're comfortable making that leap. And, and I didn't say, but you absolutely have to, I, (laughs) I said, okay, well, like if, when you reach that point, if you want to chat about it again, I'm here. Yeah. Yeah. So good. I think that's really important. So, um, just to get back to kind of your personal journey, mm-hmm. where did we leave off? Um, pre this naked mind or post this naked mind? So, so you were pre, I think. So you were. Okay. Yeah. I had gotten up to drinking through undergrad. Uh, definitely. I don't know if I'm predisposed to blacking out. Uh, I, I feel like in discussing with friends, um, I have earned more blackout time 
than most people do. Um, but you know, like I said, I was I was still making it through school. I I was coming through on the commitments I was making, so that all seemed fine. And I'm trying to think of right after. I wouldn't I wouldn't characterize my journey as having any um, like what I tell people especially if I'm first meeting them, is that there wasn't a rock bottom for me. And not to say that that's bad people who have, people who have had a situation or an incident where they were like, okay, I, something has, has to change. But to give that context of, I think it can be what a lot of people go through, where um, you start drinking because other people are doing it and and it seems fun and then it seems like it actually is fun and then it's sort of i remember how conscious i became of how always there it is um at social events where certainly if i was at if i was at any social event where alcohol was being served i was having a drink why wouldn't I have a drink? I want this to be the best time that I could possibly have here, right, is what my mindset was. Um, and outside of those events, it would depend. Sometimes at an event that might not have a drink, I'd be like, well, I'm sure I could get a beer in there, or I'm sure I could get in... Um, it didn't happen much, but a flask in there. That might have happened once or twice. And um, yeah, so I would say it's, it's, it was pretty steady state uh, in terms of alcohol's presence in my life. And then um, did it start to cause, you said it wasn't really problematic, but what about internally? Did you feel like it was internally like causing? Yes, I would. and. To be fair, externally, who knows what I wasn't told? Who knows which friends were not uh, were not honest with me about it because they didn't want to hurt my feelings or because it's awkward, etc. Uh, um, but internally, absolutely, it reached a point where I, or maybe didn't reach a point, but I finally became self-aware enough that. The next morning, uh, after regardless how much, I would have that psychological second guessing and feeling kind of down. And like, I, I feel pretty lucky that uh, like, I, I do know people who live with depression. Uh, I have not had that ever. However, it would be this low level kind of bluesy feeling and I didn't need it and I was also wondering about if it contributed to anxiety because it was it was a similar kind of low level of anxiety so that was the internal stuff that when I uh, first thought about experimenting with not drinking um, that I was hoping would improve yeah for sure and um, and then, so from there, you went to, like, where, did you have any moments where you're like, okay, this definitely has to change, or was it almost sort of a slipping into a change? 
It was, I'm trying to think of it. I would say there was no single moment that I was, that I told myself this has to change. There were moments when I said, I want to drink less. And that would be the moments after being, being, uh, being blackout drunk, or I forget which birthday it was probably around 30 that, um, I had arranged for a bunch of people came over to my place first. And then we went to a pretty nearby club. It was like literally 10 or 15 minutes away. And, uh, the person who got me home and I don't remember this, uh, they got me into a cab. Cause they're like, like I had asked them after I'm like, I couldn't walk back. And they're like, it didn't seem very likely. Um, so moments like that, I think I, I would see as okay, time to, time to rein it in a bit. Um, but even reaching the point of reining it in a bit to when it was maybe a drink in, or like two bottles of beer, say, I still wouldn't be satisfied after. And I was like, and I was almost annoyed with alcohol. I was like, well, how can I be reasonable? I'm trying to be so reasonable here. And I eventually got my answer. Yeah, that makes sense. It's so interesting. All right. So then what happened? Then what happened? Sorry if I'm asking clarifying questions. I want to make sure that I'm doing this right. I just right. want to hear the narrative. So I love it. I, I yeah. love the details. It's so great. Um, I think I might have closed the loop because I'll say from uh, times of, of thinking, okay, I need to get more reasonable about drinking and successfully doing it to saying like, okay, if I'm at a networking event, maybe three pints is too many, especially if I'm actively looking for work right now. Although a lot of people at that event are doing the exact same thing. So probably not the end of the world. Um, but up, up to the point where I got that email from Una, where she mentioned she has a drinking problem and it's a glass of wine each night. And I was like, that's silly, Una, just stop it. <laughs> that's ridiculous. But that's what led me to your webinar. And I, I don't think I'm leaving anything. I'm trying to think if I'm leaving anything significant out. I don't think so. Do you have okay. any more so specifics? Let's talk about um, kind of life after that. First of all, that's so cool of her to just uh, be so transparent about something and, and be so transparent about something that is like from everybody's standard, a non-issue yep. and just taking a stand that this is an issue for me. Like what a cool thing. Anyway, I just mm -hmm. think that's awesome. Um, so that's great. So then on this side of things, how has it been sort of socially for you? How has it been, you know, you mentioned like different social events and whatnot. Have you felt really good and comfortable. I, I think so. Um, but have yeah. there been any pressures? Very few. It's, this is why I don't, <laughs> I wonder if, if anyone who ends up listening to this is like, this is, this is boring, Chris, but I hope people who feel like they're in a boring place with it, it's, it, it speaks to them. I have been like, and it is, um, and I would say that um, the, 
among my friend groups, I was told a few times by different people that they tend to drink more when they're around me. Mm-hmm. So, which I don't think was them saying, <laughs> you drive me to drink in like, right. I'm causing them heartache. But it's like, well, yeah, you're having a few more drinks and you're having a good time. So I want to have a few more drinks. So really, I was a bit of the cheerleader in, in my groups for drinking. So when um, I remember one of the first events that I went to, it was a friend's birthday and everyone ordered drinks and I'm like, hey, everybody, I'm not drinking for this month. And the result was surprisingly muted. <laughs> it was it was a few, like someone said, what? And otherwise it was fine. Um, I, I'm even trying to think of the most, the most anyone was like, come on, just have a drink since I stopped was nowhere near what I would have done, say, when I was back in undergrad, which makes me feel badly about those times in undergrad. However, speaks to whether it's just like people, (laughs) people are being actually respectful or like understanding that it's like, hey, this is a decision. He probably didn't take it lightly. Uh, Sure, I'll support you in this. That's really cool. I was the ringleader too, so I can yeah. totally relate. And it was funny because people would come out and they'd be like, I was just keeping up with you. And I was like, oh, <laughs> sorry about that. Yeah, um, I think it's similar. And now I'm like, well, keep up with me now. Right. And um, so far they decline. I'm, I'm still trying to get a convert. Um, it's, it hasn't happened yet, but I'm, I'm, uh, I'm slow playing it. That's awesome. It will happen. It is slow. It's a slow game, but it will happen. I think it was a few years for me, um, even doing it. I mean, obviously there was converts who were strangers to me, but I mean, in my real life and my friends, I think it was really a few years before. Um, and the first was really funny too, because this guy, he's like, I'm going to read your book. And I was like, okay, cool. And then he read it. And then like two months later, he's like, you know, I just, I just decided I'm not going to drink anymore, but you know, I don't think it was your book. I, I think <laughs> it was just the time for me. I was like, okay, cool. It's even better because that means you just own it so much that you like are, you know, it's only your decision. So I was pretty happy about that, even though it was really funny. Cause my husband's like, oh yeah, right. Like I saw you drink. It was definitely yeah. outside influence. Um, so funny. yeah, yeah, I definitely Without your book, I would still, I'm, I'm confident, I would still be wondering why I can't find the reasonable amount of alcohol to drink. And just having, having that base level of whatever it is, it could even be a cognitive dissonance of some mm-hmm. sort, where it's like, hey, I think I'm doing like, at the same time, if, if we rewind like prior to Mount Kilimanjaro, say, I was doing boot camp a few times a week. I was eating much more healthy. And it's, it's funny how I, I was thinking, oh, I'm doing all these things right, but something still feels wrong. And I'm not saying that's necessarily the only thing, thing wrong, but it's been when I 
I use the word satisfied. I, I tell people I'm, I'm so satisfied that I'm not drinking anymore. It's not necessarily all out joy, like all the time, but I, at any given time, I'm very pleased that uh, this is something that I tried. Oh, it's so great. I love the word satisfied. It's such an excellent word. Um, it's so cool. Well, thank you. This has been awesome. So let me ask you the question that I sort of wrap these up with, which is if you were going okay. to go back to Chris of, you know, the Chris looking for the reasonable amount to drink and not understanding why there wasn't a reasonable amount to drink. And um, what would you tell him about what life is like on this side of things? That's a good question. I'm because <laughs> I'm trying to think of how do I tell other people? Well, I would come back to what my light bulb moment was, which is what I had mentioned that that first time and after work dinner and drinks with a friend minus alcohol. And just um, that that feeling that you enjoy is not alcohol. Mm -hmm. It's having a good time. It's engaging with your friends. It's doing things that you really like. And there is alcohol literally is adding nothing to your life. And then I imagine myself saying back, like, you're dumb. <laughs> you, you don't, you don't understand. <laughs> right. You don't know me. I have a great time when I go out and I do this stuff. And I'm trying to think of how I would get it through to him I think it's very much like I think why your book inspired me so much to do what I did is and it's and it's actually very closely aligned with my job because I, I I do a lot of change management and um, it's this idea of like what is a minimum viable change because you can try to drop in this huge amount of change mm -hmm. and that will make everyone upset and everyone confused and angry. But if you can say, what's the next little step that we could take toward what we hope, hope to get to? And so I even wonder if it might be, how about you try a dry week? Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, like, how about this weekend? don't have any drinks, still armed with all that information though. I don't know if I could get it all across, but I think I, I would use that thing of like, go in curious about is, is that good feeling you like really the alcohol? And then if that week goes well, how about you try a whole month? And then if that month goes well, maybe you'll end up like me. That's so awesome. I love that. I love the idea of minimum viable change. I think that's so good is making approachable, lowering the barrier to entry to the conversation. So powerful. Mm -hmm. So important. That's great. Well, awesome. Thank you so much, Chris. How fascinating and how cool that you've been so high in the atmosphere at the top of Kilimanjaro. It's just a really unique um, accomplishment. I'm very fascinated by that. Thank you. But I really appreciate you being here and sharing your story. Uh, I really appreciated being asked. It was awesome. an honor. Have a great day. Thank you. You too. Okay. Bye. Bye. 
Hi, I'm so excited, you guys, because we are just about to start another live alcohol experiment. And if you do not know about the alcohol experiment, you need to literally drop everything right now and go to thisnakedmind.com forward slash LAE. That's LAE for live alcohol experiment. And here's the thing. This 30-day challenge is designed to interrupt your patterns and put you back in touch with the best version of you. You know it's that version that's living the most joyful life, that version that doesn't need alcohol to relax or have a good time, and that version that's having more fun and is more peaceful than ever. Again, it's a 30-day challenge. It's live. It's starting on the first, so hurry up. Go to thisnakedmind.com forward slash L-A-B. And as always, rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast as it truly helps the message reach somebody who might need to hear it today.